King Wave, Fox, Beer, Locker's action, very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four Drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Peter's cat, Kim Pack's cat, you have had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, October 12th, 2023. It is currently 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. That means we are live. Right, Paul? We're live, right? We, we are live, right? We're, we're as live? well as live as we can be. <laughs> yeah. I feel alive. I mean, I have various uh, substances maintaining my life support, but I, yeah, I'm going to go with, yeah, I'm going to go with the live, Jim. Yes, we are alive. And Eric, what does that mean to, to our fellow fans that are listening that we are currently live? What does that mean? Uh, well, live means that you can actually call us if you would like to. Believe it or not, we're one of the few podcasts out there that actually has a direct connection to our fans. Like, yeah, that means you can call us right now, 646-668-2433. And Jim, once he figures out uh, the technology aspects of it, will get you right on the air and you can talk to us about whatever you like. That's right, and that is. I awesome love this because, because we're existing podcasts. in multiple domains at once. Because people listening to the show when it's recorded, though, are hearing us, and we're not live there. So we're actually yeah. existing in like the mirror universe and our own universe in two yeah. different domains at the same time. I love that. That's true. Well, That's true. If they're not listening on Thursday night, October twelfth at seven thirty p.m. Eastern time, then they're not live. <laughs> right? Then call us at that time at. next week. <laughs> <laughs> it would be Memorex. But at any rate, we are live and you can call and chat with us. We would absolutely love to hear from you guys because without the fans, you know, we're absolutely nothing. And uh, before we go too far, though, I want to go around the room and introduce to you my awesome, awesome Trexpert. Things are back, back in line again. We have our usual lineup. And we'll start off in Las Vegas with our very own Charles. How are you doing tonight, Charles? <clears throat> I'm doing all right. Enjoying the enjoying the continuous roller coaster weather. Started with 90s, 70s, 80s yesterday, 70s today. Might be back to 90s by early next week, and maybe the 90s will go away eventually, and we'll get to enjoy the 70s and 80s. Those were good decades. Well, we're getting ready for snow here in Vermont, so that's that's typical. So we won't even get into that. But let's 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 jump over to our contingency where we have our trifecta, our triple play, our hat trick, if you will, all out in Portland. It's got to be something in the water. That's all I can think of. And we'll start off with our very own David, the Tribble Guy. How you doing, David? <gasps> <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> 
Um, uh, yeah. Prepared. Good. <laughs> that, it's good to be good. Very good. It to be is. Good. And also, also out in Portland, we have our very own Paul, the toy guy, who is also live. How you doing, Paul? <laughs> I am live, James. That's true. <laughs> I am also <laughs> among you living humans. Yes, well. Was there ever an episode where uh, everyone was gone from the bridge and Pike had to do everything? Uvura's gone, Spock's gone, Mabenga's gone, Hammer's gone, and and, uh, and Pike's just got to run around and do everything? Did that ever happen? Not yet. But, Not in a strange you know, they new were... world. Because that's what it they feels like to, to me up. this week, because my wife is out of town for business, right? And so I am running around the bridge of my house doing every freaking thing. So it's just it's like, hey, let's make this meal. Let's run here. Let's do this. Let's take the kid to school. Let's go here. Let's do the laundry. Let's make the thing. Let's get the mail. I'm like, ah, let's walk the dog. So it's, a, it's exciting. <laughs> so you feel like hundreds of energy. What's that? Don't forget Freck Talk. You feel like they're like Crusher. Beverly Crusher did that once. Oh, that's right. She did that's do that. Cool. Well, I do have a very similar physique to Beverly Crusher, so it's funny you should mention that, Charles. But, uh, but you know, um, both of us are, of course, very svelte. <laughs> it's, the flowing, it's the flowing red hair, Paul. That's it's the flowing red hair and our fondness hair. for candles, and we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And uh, also... In the Portland area, not too far off. We have our very own Eric. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Oh, man, I am doing fantastic. I've just, you know, before the show here, I was studying up on my uh, rules of trequisition. Uh, and uh, I might, made my way through the first 56. And here, the 57th rule of trequisition says, good listeners are plentiful as latinum. Treasure them as you do your giant piles of latinum. So I'm treasuring and, all of our listeners today. <laughs> and Eric definitely has the lobes for business, that's for sure. I give it a shot. Oh, my. The lobes. Oh, the oh my. <laughs> so, guys, happy Spocktober, actually. It is still Spocktober. So we have a couple of more weeks of Spocktober, so that's pretty cool. Uh, so tonight, what are we going to be talking about tonight? We're going to be talking about last week's episode of Lower Death. Death, 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 death. Yeah, that show. That other show. <laughs> the Gremlins have got my son. Lower Decks. I ha- we were talking about Prodigy, and I was trying to combine Prodigy and Lower Decks into a whole new did show. But no, we're going to be talking about Lower Decks last week's episode of Lower Decks, and fans always comment on the Facebook page, well, that was last week's episode. Yeah, it was. But if you've ever listened to our fan shout-outs, we have a big global following, and we like to make sure that our global fans can be included live in this podcast, particularly that dude, that one dude in Australia. Good eye, mate. Yeah, you, that guy. And so... We like, we're, we're a week behind so that they can listen to our show and enjoy it just as everybody else does. So we'll be talking about last week's episode, Parth Ferengi's Heart Place, we're going to be talking about. So that's going to be fun. But wait, there's more. We also have the final episode of very, very short treks, Run, Don't Walk. So we're going to have a lot of fun. If you'd like to talk about either of those two, give us a call, 646 668 2433. We'd love to hear from you. 
And uh, we also have our Star Trek birthdays. We have our fan shout-outs. And we have our Star Trek news. And this week, we have a brand-new segment of Star Trek news, a segment we've never done before, but we're going to do a lot of in this week's episode, and we're calling it Patrick Says What? And that's because we have a brand-new memoir dropped by Patrick Stewart, and he had a lot to say, which means we have a lot to talk about. So we have a brand-new segment called Patrick Says What? that we're going to get to. So sit back, enjoy, have a good time, walk, don't run to the refrigerator, grab something to drink, go to the microwave, grab some pizza bites, whatever, and hurry on back because we're going to have a lot of fun and we don't want you to miss anything. So you can go to our Facebook page, and on our Facebook page, you will see pinned to the top a big Live Long and Prosper. And the Live Long and Prosper says, hey, guys, where are you listening from? Just pop in there, tell us where you're listening from, look for a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, and that means you will be featured in a future fan shout-out. Try to be creative. I leave some, you know, because I look at a lot, and you, you want to catch my eye. So the more emojis, I'm really attracted to emojis. That's just the kind of guy I am. See a lot of emojis and flags and things that, you know, that's going to get my attention. You can also get my attention if you're a top fan as well. So, uh, yeah. So, Eric, Eric, who do we want to say thank you to this week? Well, Jim, we spin that globe all the way around to South America, 375 kilometers south of Buenos Aires to Villa Gesell, Argentina. And this week, we're going to say hello to Maria Juana Enriquez. Uh, Maria, you are supporting us down there. That looks like a beautiful area there on the east coast. Uh, well, not quite coastal, but like on the east portion uh, of that continent there. It just looks amazing. I looked at some pictures online today, and it looks like the type of place that I would love to go. So thank you so much for listening to us and for carrying that Trek Talking flag down there. You said live long and prosper to us, and I say peace and long life to you. We're also saying hello this week to Pedro Rodriguez Rivera, who's saying hello to us from Puerto Rico. That's right, Puerto Rico sending us a Puerto Rican flag. Uh, I have lots of respect for your culture down there, sir. Lots of cool stuff down there, food, music, uh, all kinds of cool stuff. Pedro, thank you for supporting us down in Puerto Rico. Also saying hello this week to Brigitte Ruzinska, who's saying hello to us from Ludwigsburg, Germany, sending us a German flag. That's just a tiny bit north of Stuttgart there, if you don't know where Ludwigsburg is. Brigitte, thank you so much for listening to us and for supporting us right there in the center of you. And last but not least on my list this week is top fan Michael Melinzak, uh, who's saying hello to us from Varem, Belgium. Varem, Belgium is just 75 kilometers down uh, down the E40 from that big city that you know about in Belgium, sending us a Belgian flying Michael you're a top fan. That means that you interact with us a ton on our Facebook page, and we always appreciate that. We get lots of your likes. We get lots of your comments. Keep it up, brother. We really appreciate it. Charles, I'm going to spin this globe back over to you, sir. Who would you like to say hello to? Well, let's start off with a warm greeting to Jason Miller from Sacramento, California. Hey, Jason. I got a friend, Andy, in Sacramento. Top fan, Dave Clark. From Denver, Colorado. Bunch of knitting friends in Denver. Uh, welcome to 
Ron J. Hanks Jr. from Jacksonville, Florida, and gives us a flat American flag. And greetings to Tina Johnson from Eastern Shores of Maryland. David, who's on your list? Hello, yes, I would like to say thank you for a top fan, Kerry Sanford from Michigan. Uh, and next is Archie Aquino from Denver. Uh, next on my list is Billy Fox from Pennsylvania. Last <clears throat> last on my list is Michelle R. Lamontani. I think that's how you pronounce it. Sorry for butchering it. Uh, from Berlin, New Hampshire. Paul, who's on your list? Well, you know, guys, I love this segment because it's just a really neat thing to be able to uh, chat with people uh, all across the planet, right? And uh, and express our affection and fondness for them, no matter where they are on the planet. And we've got Star Trek fans everywhere. Let's take this for an example here. Our good friend Aparajita Sarkar, who uh, flashes us the live long and prosper hand sign from, of all places, Kolkata, India. And that is a fascinating uh, place to consider. Uh, Kolkata is like the seventh largest uh, city in India, and it didn't always have that same association in terms of the name because Kolkata used to be referred to back during the British India era of Calcutta, right? I'm sure everyone's heard of Calcutta and associates that with uh, India, but it, sure. they made uh, went ahead and made that change. I think it was like in about 2001 when they did it because they wanted to uh, make it so that it was more appropriate to the you know historical pronunciation uh, that was on there. So very very cool uh, change there. They wanted to it's like the Bengali pronunciation is more Kolkata, so they wanted to make sure that that was in better alignment and uh, with the people who live there. So a really cool thing. And uh, love that part of the world. So, Aparajita, thank you for being a fan. And I'm betting you're not alone. I'm betting there's all kinds of Star Trek fans in India. I want to come visit myself at some point soon. Uh, on the other side of the planet, though, we have other Star Trek fans who are saying hello to us from Lima, Peru. Wow, that is a place I am dying to visit as well, just because of all of those incredible uh places uh, amongst the uh, the high altitudes there it is outrageous uh, machu picchu all kinds of different things that one can visit it's just incredible so really really cool and we are saying hello to cesar linan who's got a trio of peruvian flags flying there great to hear from you cesar thank you for being a fan and for sharing your enthusiasm from way, I don't know if you're down closer to sea level in Lima, I suspect you are, but I'm sure you have plenty of opportunities to get up to higher altitudes as well. And I'm lucky enough to be able to say hello to top fan Armin G. Lebengut, who is uh, not exactly giving us their coordinates, but Armin is saying that they're in the Swiss quadrant. I'm seeing uh, a, a little bit of a look, looks like a UFO emoji beaming someone up there. I can't really tell. I have to bust out the old electron microscope, Armin, but uh, it's great to know that you're out there. And as Eric said, top fans are the fans who engage with us a ton on our Facebook page. And it sounds like Armin is able to find time to do that all the time in Switzerland. So lovely to hear from you. And finally, for me, going back a little more central here up here to top fan Roman Barta, who is uh, extending Vulcan greetings to us from the gorgeous 
land of Hungary. So wonderful to hear from you, Roman. Thank you all for sharing your enthusiasm and reminding us that Star Trek is a global thing, that we're all united in many more ways than we are divided. Uncle Jim. And speaking of united, let's spin the globe back to the United States. We want to say hello, thank you, and kapla to Jose Pardella, who's listening to us in Lorraine, Ohio. We also want to say thank you and kapla to Alan Chen, who's in Taiwan, listening to us. We also want to say thank you to Christopher J. Perry in Seattle. And last but definitely not least on the list, we want to say thank you and kapla and live long and prosper to Nani Fox, who's listening to us in Maui, Hawaii. That's pretty awesome. So how do you become a top fan on Trek Talking, you might ask? You might be asking that right now. Maybe you already asked it, but how do you become a top fan? It's very simple. You go to our Facebook page, and you answer questions. And I put a lot of questions up on our Facebook page because I like to get the fans involved, and we like to see what's on their minds. I always ask you guys on Friday, what did you think about last week's episode on a scale of 1 to 10? But I also ask you the same question about other episodes, like right now, I think I have the same question up for uh, the TNG episode of Relics. So you can tell us what you thought about that. I also have a question up about what happened to Jennifer on uh, Lower Decks. You can jump in on that. So I, I like to like to hear from you guys. So I put up questions all the time. If you want to become a top fan, you just interact with us on our Facebook page, and you'll get a badge. And we'd love, love, love to hear from you. As I said originally, every Friday at right around 10 a.m. Eastern Time, I'll put up a question and ask you guys to score the episode 1 to 10. And Eric, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about last week's episode of Star Trek Lower Decks, Parth Ferengi's Heart? Uh, well, top fan Mark Christopher Haig Flint gave it a 7 out of 10. Enjoyed it, made it me laugh, but the Lita and Rom story arc was not good. That wasn't the lovable Rom we all know. Top fan Brian Kane said, I thought this episode was about a seven. It's really time for Mariner to grow up, and I thought they were trying to make that clear, so I didn't think she was being season one Mariner. I did think she was, oh, I didn't think she was being season one Mariner out of context. Of course, Boynes would get addicted to Frankie TV, so that was spot on. I thought they were this close with the Tendi Rutherford story, and then he mentioned her green eyes, but the Ferengi Love Hotel seemed very contrived. Top fan Edward Brock also gave it a 7 out of 10. I liked the way everything ended up. Top fan Johnny E. at Pilios said, 8. Great episode, wholesome, funny. I agree that Rom didn't feel like Rom during the negotiation. I appreciated the intro's implication of Rome changes. Top fan Steven Joseph Anderson gave it a seven. The Rom Leah thing was understandable, considering he was not la- he would not last long as Grand Negus if he did not act Ferengi. You have to understand that he did not know these people. They were negotiating with the Federation in general. Boimler went nowhere, literally. The Commer Shields was funny. Mar- Mariner was Mariner. Tendi Rutherford are great friends, and it is understandably awkward in that situation. They will go somewhere eventually. I'm surprised they didn't make a joke about the library not being where you read books, books, books. 
but where they can quietly do their books for business. Thanks, Stephen. John K. Underly said a 10 Raman Lita have the lobes for business, almost playing the Admiral and Starfleet, and Boims is a TV junkie. Jay Stevens said so much good in this one and some much not as good as it could be. I agree with Louise Cooper that Lita seemed off as a character, but maybe living as she has changed her? I don't know. I give it a six. Top fan Donnie McNeil said six out of ten. The whole Rom Lita thing was a bit boring. Boimler getting addicted to Frankie TV was aces, especially the final part of that. Mariner and her buddy? Meh. The real action in this episode was Rutherford Tendy, but are they both so emotionally stunted that they can't admit anything to each other except through the guise of a deception? They both have obvious personal issues to work on before there's any chance of them getting closer. Dustin S. Wing gave it a 6.5. It was a great look at Ferenginar. Freeman finally had a plot she didn't screw up. However, Boimler's plot went nowhere. Mariner was still being season one Mariner, and I'm mildly frustrated with the Tendy Rutherford love plot, and it didn't pay off, when there's clearly real feelings between them. And finally, James Niles gave it an 11, but, uh, you know, we averaged that out down to 10. Sorry, James. <laughs> so that gives us a fan score this week of 7.6, and uh, that's not too shabby. That puts it square in the middle of the pack, I think third highest of our episodes this season. So, uh, I don't know. Too bad, but you know what time it is? And you know what that music means. It's once again time to put on your thinking caps and join us for Star Trek Trivia Time with Uncle Jim. All right, guys, I try to make these fun and relatively easy. I don't whip out the tech manual and see how many bolts there are on the bridge of the Enterprise or any of that stuff. I try to keep it fun and light. And Eric, Eric, are you ready for the first first question of the evening? Uh, yes, absolutely. All right. Since this is Hit a me. Ferengi episode, it's going to be a Ferengi question. Yes. What? And all these, all these, I, I pull these all right off the episode. There's no, you know, sneaking around. Everything we're going to mention here was mentioned on an episode. No, I'm not trying to, to screw people up. This are right out of the episode. Um, what is the 60-second rule of acquisition? Oh, Jim, that's a pretty good one. Uh, you know, like I said before the show, I was studying my rules of trequisition. I mean acquisition. Uh, this is actually the 60-second rule, if I'm not mistaken, has actually been mentioned in at least three previous episodes uh, back in the day. And it, of course, is the riskier the road, the greater the profit. And I think that that is pretty synergistic with the way that uh, at least our capitalism in the United States works for sure. So it, it resonates, definitely resonates. Yes. Yes, it does. And the fact that we had Ram and Lita and this whole Ferengi tie-in, absolutely perfect. David, you ready for the spotlight, buddy? <laughs> first thing you got to do is drop the chalupa and step back. That's the first thing you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> Marza doesn't have hair. All right. Oh, yeah. Are you ready, David? <laughs> what is Lita's official Ferengi designation? Uh oh yes. Uh, they called her first clerk. I think is what it says. That's right. She's not the first lady. She's the first clerk. Absolutely. <laughs> Charles, you ready for the spotlight, buddy? Let's go for it. 
All right. What is the name of the Federation starship that the USS Cerritos meets at Ferenginar, and what is the registry number of that ship? That's a bonus question. Oh, I believe we kind of skipped out on the California class a little bit. Well, maybe not. And went with the USS Toronto. I think it was an NCC... Seven zero four nine five no four nine four yeah, I, believe. I I had to pause that it, it went by pretty quick so I had to pause it to get the NCC number that's why it was a bonus some people might have missed it but I actually absolutely. looked it up afterwards because I hadn't seen that style of ship before I guess it's called a Parliament class ship who knew that makes sense because they were you know, in Parliament with the Ferengi. <laughs> All right. So Paul, Paul, we're gonna we're gonna put the spotlight on you. We're gonna get you red hot. Shining I'm, right uh, down. You ready? I'm not gonna put down my chalupa though, Jim. <laughs> no, well, you, 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 you can have the I got a tight grip on it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what is the most coveted job in Starfleet? Well, the coveted job in Starfleet is uh, Gates McFadden's masseuse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> making candles for Gates McFadden. Yeah, it, 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 this is like starting to be like Hollywood Squares. I'm feeling very comfortable here. Um, sorry, let me get serious. I'm running on running on not much sleep uh, there, uh, Wink Martindale. Uh, what's the most coveted job in Starfleet? It's like something like... Uh, Tour guide, travel travel guide, something like that. Tour guide. Yes, travel guide duty. And according according to uh, Boimler, he's going to do forty places in a day. But <laughs> we'll we'll talk about how that turned out later. All right, David, are you ready? Yep. Okay. I I I try to tailor the questions to the co-host. So this one this one I thought of you right away. With this one, what Uh-oh. is the USS Cerritos crew, statistically speaking, most notable for in Starfleet? This came right. This came right from Ransom's mouth. For this, <laughs> um, you don't get your chalupa back from Paul. No. <laughs> He's keeping your chalupa. I bet if I if you can give me the uh, timestamp of the episode, I can quickly look it up. <laughs> you can find it real quick. No googling. <laughs> so, I, I'm going to have to pass steal? on this one. Somebody want to steal it, Eric? You're next. Do you think you can steal that one away from Paul or from David, and you can get the chalupa? Well, it was definitely the. It was like the idea that they were like not committed. They couldn't like form lasting relationships, and they loved to have sex. So it was like the horniest crew and like the least committed crew, or something like that. That's the first thing you thought of me when that happened. Okay, (laughs) I thought of you right away, David. 
because of the hump dungeon thing, you know. Wait, all yeah. You're forever immortalized for the hump dungeon, buddy. You can't get out now. We, we got the stalagmites and the hump dungeon. And the trouble alive. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yep, you're absolutely right, Eric, and you get the next question, too. And oh, this sweet. Is, this is a, I, I had to pause this so that I could get every single name that was oh, that was listed there. There's quite a few of them. Oh, I know what you're going to ask me. Yeah. Name yeah. one of the businesses that we see on Ferenginar. And there there was a bunch. Yeah. Uh, so, There's a whole bunch. Uh, you only there, have to I, pick the, one, but. Well, it's okay. I remember, like, off the top of my head, I remember three. I remember the Museum of Gambling, the Museum of Haggling, and the Quirks Federation Experience or something. Yeah. And then there was mm-hmm. just there Absolutely. were just so many other ones that had to do with like there was a Dominion War thing and yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> pretty we, good. Uh, so I paused it and read all the signs. We had Uncle Cork Youth Casino. We had Maximum Umak Rub Dungeon, and for some reason I thought of David. I don't know why. <laughs> um, oh my god. <laughs> we had Loeb's Lodge. The Museum of Gambling, the Museum of Haggling, the Museum of Bribery. We had Slugs Nasium, Quark Federation Experience Bar and Grill, the Dominion War Memorial, and the Sober Farewell to Lost Profits Wall. Um, so those are the things that, that we saw. All right, Charles, are you ready? I'm ready. Turn. All right. What is one of the worst? felonies you can commit on Ferenginar. Oh, one of the things you can do is lying about being a couple and trying to get the trying to get that couple's discount. <laughs> that's right. That's that's frowned upon. That that's a bad, what? bad thing. It was like we'll that's... send you to the mines for that one. <laughs> that's a bad thing. Bad, 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 bad thing. <laughs> Defrauding Ferengi out of their profit. That's awful. And Paul. Twenty-five. The answer is ten. Center square. Assuming that you went to Ferenginar and you did break that law, what is the penalty for breaking that law on Ferenginar? Oh, it's bad. It's bad, Jim. It's a lifetime spent watching the first season Next Gen episode Code of Honor on Infinite Loop. (laughs) (laughs) That's Infinite Loop. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Yeah, you got to just keep watching over and over and over again. And, you know, maybe if you survive after two or three days, you might get a shift in the the underwater sulfur mines or something. But, you know, it's uh, going to seem like a picnic compared to the other thing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Eric. You ready? Uh, yeah. I, oh, they get another one. Yeah, three. I love it. Yeah. I'm ready. So uh, Boimler got addicted to Ferengi television. And uh, can you name one of the shows that he was addicted to? I, I found two titles. Uh, well, the one that I remember was the, like, Cop Landlord guys. It was like, Pog and Dar, Cop Landlord. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Give me your profits before you die. I mean, I'm just telling you that, like, that whole scene where he's – I mean, we'll talk about this later, but where he's watching it, and then he gets – and then the commercial, and he's like, wait, they have 
they have commercials? And he's like, wait, they have product placement? And it's just like, yeah, you're just talking about the society I live in, brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And the, uh, the other show that he was watching was called Will They, Won't They? <laughs> they, they had two TV shows that he was watching. And Charles, you ready for you ready for your question? All right. All right. What is Parth's job title at Loeb's Lounge? I, I, I didn't remember how to pronounce David. <laughs> I can't. I'm not sure the pronunciation is one. Hug. Oh, hug Sears like a concierge. Yeah, hug. Okay. Yeah, well, he's a concierge. Yeah, because you know and, he's, uh, he's going to hug yeah. you. Yeah, he'll <laughs> give you a hug. And speaking of hugs, here's another David question. It just popped right in there, David. I'm sorry, but uh... it just it just it just went there. <laughs> so, David, uh, what is the most romantic back. meal possible? At Loeb's Lodge. Oh, I know this one. It's off the top of my head. I actually remember this one. Okay, uh, it had something to do with chocolate. <laughs> I remember they <laughs> brought. Uh, the, yeah. Oh, okay. It was a chocolate statue of um, the other partner. Yes, the sexy chocolate statues of each other, <laughs> and you had to when you, when you ate the the, the chocolate. You had to tell the other person something you loved about them. Absolutely. And speaking <laughs> of chocolate, Paul, are are you ready for your question? God, this is a long segment. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. I'm. 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 I'm still here. <laughs> All right. What drink does Mariner order at the bar? Oh, excellent. Uh, well, I do know a little something about drinking because um, we have done our. Uh, our, uh, you know, uh, fireside chat segments uh, in the past on the show, and uh, and hopefully we'll do it again someday. I would love to revisit that uh, if you're uh, listening to us there at Star Trek Wines, <clears throat> kind of hanging out, waiting for your next shipment, if you know what I'm saying. Um, but actually, uh, I uh, one of them was a uh, uh, first season original series reference, right? They all have a dagger of the mind. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the mind, and then there was also uh, I think it was Cardassian tequila. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and who doesn't love a good tequila? Yeah. You get a dagger in the mind. Oh yeah, you can I'm just you know, pour pour one in the other and make a boiler maker. You know, <laughs> there you go. All right, a boiler Eric, maker. You get the final question, Eric. This is it. This okay, is I'm it. ready for all the cards, Eric. What yep. is the eighth rule of acquisition? Uh, easy because I always read everything before I sign it, and I'm completely serious. It took me forever to sign my house being, buying papers because small print leads to large risk. And if you don't read the small print and you get caught, guess who that's on? You. That's right, and that's exactly what Rob said. All right, you ready, Charles? You know what time it is? Uh, I know. Well, I actually going to incorporate a few of the comments from the fans and some of Jim's trivia. <clears throat> Let's start off. This is going to go around and around all kinds of series. 
TNG, the last out, the last outpost, season one, episode five. That's our first occurrence of the Ferengi. The Ferengi whip. Yep. Yes, that's. Didn't mention that in my trivia, but that actually is the whip that uh, Boimler got hit with at the end of the episode. DS9, Dogs of War, Season 7, Episode 24, Ron becomes Grand Nagus of the Ferengi, of the Fregnar. Ah, one of Eric's questions. DS9, Rules of Acquisition, Season 2, Episode 7, Little Green Men, Season 4, Episode 8, Rules of Acquisition, Number 62. That is where it occurred. TNG, Masterpiece Society, Season 5, Episode 13. The joke about Web 4. But inside and outside? DS9, Profit and Lace, Season 6, Episode 23. Sluggo Cola. Sluggo Cola actually was real and was mentioned on the ep- in the in the series. Lower decks, Envoy, season one, episode two. That's where we met Quinn the first time. <clears throat> oh, and we mentioned a uh, drink. TOS, Dagger of the Mind, season one, episode nine. <clears throat> There's the reference to the Drink Mariner orders. DS9, Take Me Out to the Hollow Suites, Season 7, Episode 4. There's the time they actually played the baseball game against the Vulcans. This is an interesting one. Quark's Federation Experience. Thing because actually that's a Star Trek reference not on the dealing with the shows. That's in reference to Quark's bar and restaurant at the Star Trek experience that we used to be in Las Vegas. But that restaurant actually was a reference to the actual amusement. And Strange New World, Spock Amok, Season 1, Episode 5, one of our favorite episodes. Pike's negotiations with the Rongvingans, where he tricks them in how they how they do negotiations, just as Freeman does. So, how about we discuss this episode? Who wants okay. to go first? Paul, you want to go first? Are you done with your chalupa? Yeah, man. Uh... Let me take my napkin and wipe my mouth, and uh, we'll get right into it, okay? Um, yeah, um, this was okay stuff. Um, I actually uh, think it uh, is a really credit to our fans, uh, frankly, uh, because I think a, a lot of comments that Eric read from our fans on the Facebook page really kind of uh, – uh, I was nodding a lot as Eric was reading them, like, yep. That's kind of how I felt as well. Um, I, I I found a lot of it kind of repetitive and not so funny. I I was really I mean I was like oh Ferengi that'll be great right? It's like that's going to be shtick all the way through. 
Um, but I, I kind of found myself getting a little bored. I really have to concur with everybody who said that the Ram and Leela thing just didn't work. Um, you know, it's great that whenever they're able to cast folks who were originally on the series, right? I mean, that's terrific. But I, I just don't think there's stuff. They didn't give them really anything to do, you know, and they were kind of particularly humorless. So I didn't think that that worked uh, particularly good there. Um, uh, and like our fans, it's like, okay, already with the Tendi Rutherford thing, right? I mean, yes, they're, you know, in Mulder and Scully land, they're in moonlighting land where they can't admit their feelings to each other. And we know that, right? But but it kind of feels like they, they milked it to death, right? And uh, and again, Mariner kind of retreating to her, in, in, you know, perennial, uh, you know, what have folks calling it her, you know, season one rebelliousness for rebelliousness sake <laughs> and that whole thing. So yeah, it just, uh, it just didn't grab me that much. I found it kind of, and then uh, the Boimler thing did nothing for me, you know, just sitting there schlubbing, watching TV and whatnot. So yeah, uh, there were a couple of little funny bits, right? And then we have the ongoing thing with the mystery ship at the beginning, which is kind of, you know, washer rinse repeating itself into a, coma for a little bit so I, I really feel like i just want something new man i mean something fresher um I, i'm just i kind of feel like we're in a bit of a you know maybe it's just i just recently went through and watched the whole run of all of these ones right the previous seasons watched all the episodes that i had previously missed because i came to lower decks a little later than you guys right so i had some catching up to do and so um End of summer, early fall, I uh, I watched all of them, and I just don't think it's as good as it was in those earlier seasons, right? Uh, there's a couple been a couple good episodes that are funny, but I kind of feel like they're just kind of treading water here right now, and not so. Uh, it just kind of felt a little a little weak for me, right? And uh, to blow a, an opportunity to have a Ferengi episode, you know. This one is kind of the same deal as like when we saw Tendi's Homeworld, right? Uh, that one a couple of weeks ago, I was just like, yeah, all right. This they're, like they're going to just sort of rotate through all the different Homeworlds we haven't spent time on, and and uh, I don't know. So it, it kind of left me a little bored. I don't really have a lot to say about it. Um, I just wasn't very enthusiastic. So for me, I don't hate me, but uh, I, I I read the. Uh, you know, the tea leaves in my chalupa sauce, and it said that I should give it a six. So that's kind of where I'm at, guys. Uh, right. hoping, hoping for better. So a six for me. So, so we got a chalupa six. And speaking of chalupas, David, what do you think? <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I kind of agree with Paul and uh, some of the things that, like, Lita and Rom didn't really do much. But for some reason... I, thinking back on it, I mean, throughout all of DS9, Lita especially wasn't really much of a character, and she was just being developed until the end there, but I mean, she had some great episodes along with Rom, but even in the beginning of DS9, you know, Rom did not have a huge role until the end, so... I'm thinking if this is kind of like the first introduction for people who are just watching Lower Decks, seeing these characters for the first time, 
uh, you know, it's just character development. So I'm kind of giving it a little bit of a leeway to saying like, yeah, it might not have been very good right now, but they'll probably make a comeback eventually and have a really nice episode, but probably maybe not. I don't know. Either way, um, to me, I'm thinking, I mean, the, yeah, to me, there was quite a bit of a lot of funny stuff in here. And uh, the whole thing with... Um, uh, the whole thing with um, uh, Boimler getting stuck on TV and <laughs> seeing the commercials and then watching the show, and apparently there were commercials in the show, and I was like, what? <laughs> and it got me a little confused there, but I guess that's how TV used to be back in the day, I guess. I don't know, but... Um... <laughs> so Used to be? Oh, used to be. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, well... they don't drink Coke on t- on television? <laughs> Yeah, so overall I'm, <laughs> overall, I'm thinking that this episode is definitely kind of one that's kind of high up on my list, but it's nef- definitely not going to be a 10. I'm, I'm thinking that it's probably going to most likely be a, um, it's going to be most likely a uh, an 8, I think, is where I'm going to go for it for this one. All right, we've got an 8. I'll I'll jump in here next if you guys don't mind and uh you know i was excited about this one because i wanted to see what happened to the ferengi society after rom and lita took over and the first change that he made is women wear clothes you guys noticed we didn't see a bunch of naked ferengi females running around right um so they wear clothes but not all of them because there was a naked Fringy female in the bar scene in the back it right away I said wait a minute did I just see what I think I thought I saw and I had to rewind it and go frame by frame and yes there is a naked Ferengi woman at the bar and I thought oh okay so I guess the rules got changed but you were still allowed to do what you wanted that was you know I thought that was a, a cool little nod to Ferengi society I, I thought it was funny at the beginning when the guy had the mini Genesis device on the shuttle craft and he's throwing out all the weapons and, and used he, for terraforming. Himself. I mean, that was kind of like, yeah. I mean, I think I could see that, right? Because they would have to go to a planet. That's what they, the plan was for the original Genesis device was it was going to be a terraforming thing. And so I thought that was really cool that they brought that back. That was, and it, it, if you noticed, it was a mini Genesis device, whereas the one that we see on Picard, is is the one we see from the Wrath of Khan. So obviously somebody continued to develop the Genesis technology because they made a mini version. So I thought that was a neat little nod. Um, I really like the baseball references that that Ron made. Although I think I think he was a little bit too cartoonized uh, with with his uh, you know love for baseball. Um, the Boimler story. I like you guys said it didn't really it didn't really amount to much the mariner thing yeah you know what this episode just felt like it was more of a step backwards um I think for me it, w- it was great to see the Ferengi finally join the federation because we know from Star Trek Picard we see the Ferengi flag and we know in discovery we actually see a Ferengi officer so we know the Ferengi do join the federation at some point it was nice to see it happen. Well, the first step, but yeah, I think I'm I'm with Paul and I'm I'm right there with um, with David. And for me, it, 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 
I'm going to go with a seven on this one. I'm going to give it a seven. Charles, you want to jump in? Okay. I finally did get a few notes on this one. Okay. One of the things that I kind of looked at this one and kind of felt like Rom. Did Rom have Alzheimer's suddenly? I don't know if it was part of just the game he was playing, but he just didn't seem like the Rom he knew before. I think he was just way on the silly side. So, Charles, do you want to talk about that real quick? So I have the same comment. And so Rom is definitely flighty, uninterested. He feels like he's coming up with random ideas, and he tells them to Lita, and then Lita makes them happen. And so that didn't feel like normal Rom to me. But then I kind of got to thinking about it, and I was like, okay, but we never really got to see Grand Negus Rom in DS9, so we don't really know what kind of leader he would be. And we know from Deep Space Nine that not only is Rom a first-class engineer, but he's freaking clever, man. He's just as clever as his brother, even though he kind of has this sort of dolt way about him at the very, very beginning. You, you come to find out that it's just a, it's like a social interaction right. thing. He doesn't have the social skills that Quark has, but he's got all the smarts. And so to me, I almost wonder if if it's aloofness and uninteresting and a ROM that we haven't seen before, or if it's actually a genius ROM Grand Negus who is running everything through Lita and by that disconnection kind of ends up getting everything he wants because everybody knows that Lita the Dabo girl can draw whoever she wants into her sphere and they're going to pay attention, (laughs) right? He's using his assets to his great advantage. (laughs) But then you you get Friedman who goes through and tricks him. At the end of the episode, all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's the ROM I'm looking for. Yeah. Well, he was trying to get away with as much as he could, but he was testing the Federation. Yeah. Yeah. But I just – I thought the game he was playing was a little overplayed. Uh. Okay, I didn't mention I didn't think about mentioning this one in cadet review, but how they mention the weather conditions landing on Ferenginar. Anybody remember? I don't know specifically, but I know it's always raining on Ferenginar. Raining. Yes, it's always raining. <laughs> yep. Yes. Rain, that rain, was, rain. I I can't remember the episode, but that was an episode where Quirk visited Ferenginar. Well, in the, and yeah, in every single the rain. Yeah, in every single episode they ever showed Ferenginar in Deep Space 9, they used the same map painting. <laughs> it's raining again. It was always raining. <laughs> but as I mentioned in uh Cadet Review, I thought it funny with Quark's restaurant being a Shout out to, and the people don't realize, from about, I think, 2004, here in Las Vegas, we had something here called the Star Trek Experience. And you could go in there. I never got a chance to actually go on the ride, the ride part. But there's an actual thing where you can go on the bridge and through different parts of the Enterprise and go through a little mini adventure. They eventually put the Borg in there. 
she paid for a little, uh, little adventure going through a simulator in there. And when you were done, there was an area for shops. And then there was Quark's bar and restaurant. And they actually had a Quark's restaurant where you could get food, sit down, enjoy yourself. And that I did get to spend a few, a couple of times in, and that was fun. And that's exactly what I think they were trying to reproduce here in the episode. Club, uh, our admiral, fleet admiral and admiral, our founders of the club, actually worked and met at the experience. So what do I think about this episode? I think with that shout out to Star Trek Las Vegas, I'll give it a little extra, but I'm only going to give it a 7.5 about what ends are. I think this episode kind of cut off on what it should have been. All right. So we got a 7.5 from Charles, and that means Eric gets to bring up the caboose. Uh, cool. Yeah. So this week we didn't just an A or a B or a C. I think we got a D story too with all these different stories going on. So there was just a lot to keep track of here. Um, I personally thought the Tendi and Rutherford story was actually pretty good. I, I, so here's the way I read that. I don't know. I know that people have kind of been shipping those two together for a little while because they seem to have similar personalities in some ways and they've spent some time together on the ship. But to me, what happened in this episode was I don't think that Tendi and Rutherford knew that they might like each other any more than friends until this episode. I really, I really think it wasn't until they saw each other in those like fancy outfits that they were wearing to the thing when all of a sudden they were like, oh, oh, wait a second, this person that I really, really like also looks kind of good in that outfit. Um, so I, I thought that was a really sweet and and kind of like heartwarming uh, part uh, of, of this episode, just the development of their relationship. And I kind of liked how it happened along the way. And, you know, nothing too overt. Uh, it was all good. The Mariner quimp stuff. So I think what's going on with Mariner this season, she seemed, this season really to me seemed to be about like Mariner character development. And I think that they're trying to kind of bring her along with that story and and just make her grow just a little bit every episode. I don't know that she succeeded in this episode in growing at all. I, I thought her, um, you know, aside from kind of like the cool references, like Quint being from that other episode a couple of seasons ago and that sort of stuff, I didn't really find anything too interesting in that story. The, the Freeman Rom Lita story... So that one, the first time I watched it, I had the total reaction that most people are having, which is like, who the hell was Rom? Like, that wasn't the Rom that we know. And even Lita, I had to look up Lita because Chase's voice even sounded a little bit different uh, than I think it used to sound back in the day, or her delivery was different or something. So the first time I watched it, I was kind of a little bit lukewarm on it. The second time I watched it was kind of when I came up with that concept of, oh, maybe he's actually really smart as a Nagus, and maybe he's really like kind of manipulating the system here and the way it resolves at the end with 
kind of Freeman having to be more clever than him in order for him to want to join the Federation or like for that all to work out. That just is like, that's perfect to me. Like you, you have to come to the table of the people who are trying to join the Federation. And that's the Federation that I want to believe in, not the Federation that I think some people believe is true, which is here is our culture. We will dominate your culture with our culture. I like to think that the Federation is just a little bit more kind of accepting of that. And by, you know, accepting the Ferengi, the Ferengi into the Federation, the whole culture Federation grows and stuff. And, and Freeman had to kind of prove in some ways that the Federation was capable of that for the whole thing to work out. So you know, it's supposed to be like Ferengi, like it, the one Admiral is like, oh, this is a slam dunk. We'll be in and out of there. And it turned out to be really complicated. Like, honestly, I could have watched those negotiations all day long. I thought they were hilarious because every single one that, <laughs> that came up was more ridiculous. Um, but then, you know, there's the Boimler story, which I can't even really say anything about. Like, it just didn't, also didn't with me. So 50% of this episode I really liked and 50% of it I really could have tossed out. I don't even remember the Boimler parts of the episode at this point, to tell you the truth. Um, I remember there were some fun lines, like that one about him. He says something about uh, weathering the stem bolt that Mariner's been working on <laughs> so that it won't even seal anymore, which of course, you know, is always great to bring in stealth sealing um, stem bolts. Um, it was cool that Rom had his own... Um, Oh shoot! What's the name of that race? The Hyperions or something? Uh, the 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 guy that Zach always had, but this one was female. So it was kind of cool to see a return of that race and that little reference there. Um, you know, lots of little references along the way. So at any rate, uh, more or less, I got to average this episode out uh, because I liked half of it and didn't really care for half of it. So. Uh, I'll go a little better than Paul and a little less than some others. So I'll give it a 6.5. All right. There you have it. You've heard from the Trexpert. So, Charles, what's the uh, what's the final tally here? Trexperts versus Facebook fans. I missed Derek's score. Uh, 6.5. Okay. Tick, tock, tick. At the speed of Charles's finger on a calculator. Well, I'm going over. Uh, well, we're below. Wait, you're not putting this again. in Excel, are you? No, it's a ten forward abacus. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I frantically moving beads back and forth across a. <laughs> click, 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 click. <laughs> it's like hold on it a is second. It's a spreadsheet, but I also take you to shake at the show notes. Well, our fans gave it a seven point six. The host gave it a seven. Mm. All over there. There we go. Fans liked it more than we did. That's cool. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, guys. Well, that that wraps up our lower decks. Now, uh, the final episode of Very Short Trek um, aired on last Wednesday as well. Oh, thank goodness. We're going to chat about that. And this is the final. You can stop now, Paul. The end of the uh, very short trek, the final episode. And, of course, since they're short, I'm going to play it for you.
Devon Attendee from Star Trek Lower Decks. Today we honor the 50-year anniversary of the Star Trek animated series. It came out in 1973, ran for two seasons, and featured the actors from the original series. It paved the way for future Star Trek cartoons like Lower Decks. And we celebrate you today. You walked so that we may run. Thank you, Devana. Wait. What the hell does that mean? We walk and you run. It's a compliment. I just meant that you set the stage for modern Star Trek cartoons. Oh, we set the stage. Like we're stagehands and you're the actors? It sounds like an insult. I have three legs. I'm great at running. What are you trying to say? Well, just that they had less budget and technology then, so your animation was a little... uh, stiff? This? It was a stylistic choice. Maybe you guys move around too much. You ever think of that? And don't forget, our show invented the holodeck, Lassie. Yeah, but you didn't even call it the holodeck. You called it the rec room. And it was just a boring snowstorm. We had all kinds of exciting stuff in our holodeck, like a Kardashian prison escape and fighting the Borg. And your orgy scene. <laughs> oh. I got your orgy scene right here. It was just a short gag. It wasn't a scene. Look at me. Yes. Hey. We can orgy yes. too. Look at us, orgy. Oh. 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 Wait, is your pants back on? Maybe my choice of words was bad. You know, I should have said, we are standing on the shoulders of giants. Oh, now they're standing on our shoulders. Like we're some sort of pack mule. Hi, and we're giants. Like we're fat. You know what's fat? Your big cartoon eyes. What? My, my eyes are not fat. They're at least I have whites in my eyes. You just have black dots on your skin. Ooh, you guys having a party? <gasps> Mr. Sulu, Commander Riker, welcome. Uh, it's not a party. It's actually an argument. That's a pity, because look at these abs. Don't talk to them, Mr. Sulu. They look down on us because we're an old cartoon. What? true? They're just jealous because we're a new cartoon. Guys, guys, we need to embrace our differences and love each other. Sulu's right. It doesn't matter your species, if you're old generation or new, if you're animated on twos or sixes, love is the answer. So what are you doing here, Commander Riker? Jazz practice? Actually, we're more post-mainframe acid Cardassian 10 forward core. Who's we? Hit it, Scotty! Magenta or blue? Or green. You call yourself Ferengi or Klingon? Klingon. Life's a party. A party, party to bring on. A party. Let your love spread like it's discovery. Help your addict friends with their recovery. Because if you want to live long and prosper, stick out with love on your duty. Oh, fry, 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 oh,
sorry. I love you guys. Oh, I'm sorry, too. We love you. You're so cool, and you get to use the coolest modern tech. I mean, you're icon. You're the original. Plus, you're really hot. Oh, my. Uh-oh. Uh, that alert isn't part of the song. We're being attacked. Oh, my. Oh, my. So, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about the final episode of Very Short Tracks? Well, Joan Lansbury said, I like Hologram the Way Down the best. It was actually good. This one wasn't bad, though, an eight. Top fan Tackett McClenney said it was silly and the sentiment was sweet, a seven. Nathan Williams gave it an eight. Did, did we make a difference? Awkward pause. It was fun. Top fan Matt Wheat said that was one of the better ones. Eight. Top fan Phil Bolton said, thank God that's over. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. God, that, was oh awesome. <laughs> that was it. That was his review. Love you, Phil. <laughs> Nicole, <laughs> Nicole Elisher said uh, this was also good, but really loved last week's. Eight. Top fan Donnie McNeil said very short tricks is a bad idea. And an even worse execution. No thanks. At least there were no boogers, boogers this time. I wanted to vomit. Top fan Scott Richardson <laughs> gave it off. Sorry, we've never had anybody said I wanted to vomit. <laughs> uh, top fan Scott Richardson gave it a one. I cannot fathom how the Shreks are to celebrate the animated series. They are at best disrespectful. At worst, they are insulting. For everyone got paid, but I'm very disappointed. Um, I think because we did not get scores, although those last two I would count as zeros, we have a fan score here listed as eight. I suspect it's probably a little lower than that, but probably not much. Maybe I'm going to put our fan score at like a 7.7, I think. (laughs) Can I do that? Can I change our fan score? You're really generous. Wow. Well, yeah. I'm just saying, there were a lot of eights here, man. There were a lot of people who, who yeah. liked the sweetness and liked the kind of I think like this a is the time that, up, so. Eric, you should use the pow- your fondness for decimals and use it for good. Do we- <laughs> Maybe like well, a 6.2. You know what I'll do? You know what I'll do is uh, I will eliminate decimals and I'll just use the ish. Our fans scored it an 8-ish. <laughs> you interpret that. <laughs> Oh, boy. Let's talk about it. Let's see. Paul, you want to start us off again? Are you done with your chalupa? Sure, man. (laughs) You're not going to vomit, are you? No, No, um, yeah, this was not great. Um, You know, the the main gag was right out of the very first one, or the very first short, short. Yeah, the skin of cat one. The skin of cat, where it's like, you, how dare you? You are insulting me. You know, that whole thing, right? Yep. It was the exact same thing. So there was a big zero points for even having an original premise. It's like, well, uh, we've only got five of these. I'm out of ideas. How about you, Troy? Yeah, I'm out of ideas, too. Why don't we repeat the first one? Hey, great idea. And so, yeah. And uh, I don't know. It just uh, it was really kind of off-putting. And uh, the best thing I can say about it is the actress who plays Tendy seems to have a really good singing voice. I mean, she seems like she's got a good set of pipes there and that really, really hard to sit through musical number at the end that, 
Now I got to hear twice. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate that. I'm going to sing uh, it next time I see you, Paul. I'm going to sing it out loud. Yeah, yeah. So long as you put love on my duty <laughs> roster, Eric, I'm okay. So, Dude, if you want to live long and prosper, you've got to put love on your duty roster. I guess so. It's just so hard. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it just it just kind of grinded on for me. I mean, it's just like they have really solved a great conundrum of the space-time continuum. They figured out how to make three minutes feel like two hours. So, I mean, that's... <laughs> It's time travel involved. It's an incredible achievement in quantum physics, right? I will give them that. Um, but but no, it just wasn't, you know, I mean, is and I got to, is, uh, is Riker using like a different microphone or is he like, or does he just have the ability to sound like he is speaking through 70s persona? Well, he's, he's no, the most here's, entertaining part of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I mean, here's my guess. I'm going to guess that all of these actors recorded these things from their home studios. <laughs> so they were probably at the mercy of like whatever equipment they had. And I'm going to guarantee Jonathan Frakes has a sick layout of studio in his house there probably. And, you know, maybe some of these younger actors don't. I don't know. Because he sounded great. He sounded it like sounded he great. was doing some Super kind of weird – like, like he'd use some kind of dated filter to make it sound yeah. like he was doing like a – eighth grade, you know, 16 millimeter film about hydroelectric power or something. He was just like, that is true. I agree with the important thing is, (laughs) but then he's pretty much always just gold in front of her, you know, in front of the mic or the camera behind it. I mean, you know, the guy's just great, but uh, yeah, I, are we doing number scores then? Is that right? If, if, if you, you have to give to. it a number. All right, I'll give it a. Oh, oh. Okay. Wait I'll here. A... Wait, 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 wait. Well, I'll help you. You can do decimals. No, well, you know, I, I missed a couple of these because I've been away, right? But the, the oh, nose right. picking episode, yeah. I would have given a one. Yeah. For context, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm willing to give this a three. Yeah. Here we go. But that's that's about as All good right. as I can get. Just you know. So yeah, I'm glad it's over. No more. It's over. <laughs> yeah, one of our fans said they're going to vomit. So <laughs> I, I, I share their wow. opinion. Well, I got to say, I, I was disappointed in these. I, I, don't under, I, I don't see how they think this is celebrating anything, really. It's just sheer stupidity. And I thought it was really weird that Tendi identified herself as the character from Lower Deck. I thought that was a weird reference. Have we ever heard a Star Trek character identify their character from the show before? I don't think so. Well, we've had – it's not our first fourth wall break on uh, very short tracks, though. So I think that's kind of like you're allowed to do that in this format. Yeah, that's true. You can pick your nose and eat boogers and stuff, and I guess you can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it was nice, you know, Sulu and everything else, and the little corny song was was okay. Um, they didn't. They weren't flicking boogers. They weren't telling fart jokes or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, I think Paul's right overall. What was the point? I, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to find something good to say. I think um, Teddy looked good. I think the animation looked good for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's all I can say. Um, so my score ish is, is going to be ish. I think I'm going to go with a 
a 4.3. I can't give it a 5. I'll go with a 4.3. You, you want to jump in next, David? Uh, yeah, sure. So, as you all know, I was dancing throughout the whole music, so... Um, <laughs> uh, <Ten>. It was... <laughs> It was actually kind of catchy for some odd reason. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> I, I did enjoy the music a little bit. Um, and um, I don't know if anybody's aware, but uh, apparently they plan on making some more next year. Oh, that means we uh, got we got to do this again. I am gonna buy it now. <laughs> well, apparently they made another, uh, they, they called it like Short Trek Aftermath or something like that. I can't remember exactly what the title was, but they made another Short Trek uh, from the guy who created it. And he explained like he made a bunch of uh, uh, different uh, stories, I guess you could call them. And uh, apparently he said that he's hoping choo, to make choo, some choo. more next year. Yeah, it's, uh, oh I don't my know, god. Yeah. god! I mean, is it going to be still More the animated nightmares? series? Or are they going to do? Because it won't be the anniversary of the animated series to do a tribute from, or is it just like directors cut scraps off the workshop floor? They couldn't get around to. I have no idea. Well, if, but... if, if, if these five were the best of the of the men, we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I don't remember if I scored on the other ones in the past or not, but um, the burger one definitely was way worse. The work contract was probably the worst one for my uh, – I'm going to give it a zero. But um, <laughs> um, and as far as the last week that we did, um, that one actually was not as bad as I thought it was. And this episode was actually – when I first watched it, I was actually enjoying it. And, um, but yeah, to, to me, uh, I know you guys scored it pretty low, but I'm going to give it a, um, I'm going to be giving this one a five. Okay. Do we, uh, do we All agree right. that Aaron Waltke's was the best? Oh yeah. Oh, by far. Yeah. I think by that's far. the one that I enjoyed. I wish it had like a more of a straight through story, but I felt like his was at least like not, you know, so freaking distasteful and boring and weird. You know, I like insulting your intelligence. That was that last you week. Feel like you're gonna vomit your chalupa. His you know? was the one where you kept coming back, like to like, uh, okay, now we're with these guys. Oh wait, it's their holodeck. Oh no, yeah. they're having their thing, and everybody was yeah. like, you know, kind of like pulling back out of the the frame, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. From I one show to the next. I think that was last week's episode. Was it? Yeah, yeah that I was last remember. week. Yeah, I like I liked I liked his, but the other ones were just very hard for me. I can't even Red remember Paul. the second one or the third one. All right. uh, you don't want to remember so the third one. That was that was worst contact. <laughs> that was the worst one. Sorry. Yeah. Charles, you want to jump in uh, here and, and share your insights and give your score? Well, not a whole lot to add to what people have said. This one was okay, but wasn't up to last week's quality. I'll be a little generous on this one. Give it a six. A six. All right. A six. And and you get the caboose again, Eric. 
Uh, yeah, I agree mostly with Paul. Fantastically disappointed by these things overall. Um, this one, I think, definitely had some funny lines. Like, I I thought some of Sulu's lines were funny, and I liked that they did the trifecta of homage. And actually, David, on the last song, I actually I actually dug the song, and I thought the lyrics were kind of fun. I was <laughs> I was dancing along. So yeah, I'm 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 with you, man. I uh, I could get into that song. Um, I can't think of much more to say that we haven't already said. Yeah, the, but the recycling of that whole skin and cat like premise was just, I don't know. Zero points for that, like like Paul said. And then maybe like five or six points for the song and maybe a couple of the funny lines. So I'm going to average that out to about a three for this one for me. And you, you know what? I, I did want to point something out, though. That first episode, the skin of cat, just was just garbage and didn't work. When they and we still gave it a four. <laughs> when they, when they, when they I took think we should the, recalibrate our measurement here. But when they took those that, that same premise and yeah. approached it differently in this episode, it wasn't as insulting as it was in the first one. It's true. At least it didn't come off that way. Well, the first one was all like fart jokes and buggers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it came off a little different. So, Charles, what's the overall what's the overall consensus? Well, <clears throat> the fans gave it an eight. The host didn't really agree with the fans and gave it about four and a quarter stars. Mm-hmm. All right, well, there you have it. Yeah, stars. Lot of disappointment. <laughs> Lot of disappointment. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up. Hopefully, we that'll be our final very short trek for a very long time. And now it's time for Star Trek birthday. Not a Klingon song. All right, Eric. We always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we're going to remember four members of our Star Trek community. First is actor John Hoyt, the original doctor on the Starship Enterprise. That's right. John Hoyt played Dr. Phil Boyce in TOS's first pilot, the Cage. Uh, he was born back in the day in uh, Bronxville, New York, and was a Yale graduate and uh, worked originally as a teacher of history and stand-up comedian before uh, Orson Welles' Mercury Theater got a hold of him in 1937, and he started uh, his acting career. John Hoyt uh, spent a lot of time playing heavies along the way. He has 250 screen credits uh, on his roster or on his CV, and uh, he's really something else. I just can't even go into what he's been in. There are too many things to mention, but I think ask anybody who's seen The Cage and you think about it in the context of Star Trek having never existed before, he did a pretty cool job as uh, establishing the Doctor as an important part of the Starship Enterprise's um, the crew and, you know, 
confidant to the captain. So happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to actor John Hoyt. Also remembering Morgan Farley this week. Morgan Farley made two appearances on Star Trek. Uh, he uh, was in Return of the Archons, and he was also in the Omega Glory. He's one of only 14 Star Trek guests born in the 19th century to appear in any episode or film. Uh, lots of cool, cool names on that list. Um, and when Morgan was on Star Trek, he was already close to 70 years old at the time. He was born in 1898, so uh, you can do the math. He played a large number of mostly small parts in movies, and during the middle of his career, he kind of got into television a little bit. Uh, when World War II came, he became an officer in the U.S. Army and uh, has kind of some interesting lore around his uh, army records and such. Um, his army records were destroyed, so it's kind of unclear as to like how old he was and how much action he actually saw and what his whole military record was all about. So uh, if you want to learn more about that, go look up actor Morgan Farley. Uh, born October 3rd, 1898. Happy birthday. Lived to be 90 years old, which is pretty cool. We lost him back in 1988. Also remembering this week, Dave Somerville. Dave Somerville was the Canadian singer who played Larry Matson in the TOS first season, A Conscience of the King. Uh, he was credited as David Troy. Somerville was best known for the eight years he spent as the lead singer of the popular 1950s quartet, The Diamonds, a group whose hits included 1957's Little Darlin' and 1958's The Stroll. He left that group in 1961 and went out on a solo career, so although he was, he was born David Somerville, he eventually became known as David Troy, and that's actually the name that he was credited under for his Star Trek episode. Later, he joined another popular quartet, the Four Preps, and then sort of became known uh, throughout history for those two bands, the Diamonds and the Four Preps. He studied acting originally with Leonard Nimoy and is known to have uh, co-wrote the theme song for the ABC series, The Fall Guy, if you remember that one back in the day. So happy birthday to Dave Somerville. And last but not least, happy birthday to Lursa herself. That's right, Barbara March, born October 9th, 1953. She would have had a birthday this week. She was the stage film and television actress best known for playing Lursa. She was Lursa in Redemption, Redemption Part 2, and First Born. And then you go to DS9, and she was in Past Prologue, and of course the movie Star Trek Generations, one of Jim's absolute favorite movies in the world. In 1998, she provided her voice for Lursa in the video game The Next Generation Klingon Honor Guard as well. Barbara March was Canadian. She was a well-known stage actress up there, get, getting her start in the 80s, doing a lot of um, uh, Shakespeare along the way. She was in Othello, um, just tons of other shows, Macbeth, other ones that you've heard of. Uh, besides her work on stage and in front of the camera, she also wrote several screenplays and treatments for television and worked as a story editor and an original episode writer for the Canadian television series Mysterious Island in 1995, which starred her husband. Um, following her connection with Star Trek, March played Helen Diebolt in Total Security uh, in the Total Security episode Papa. So not a lot of 
acting credits on her record uh, other than playing Lursa, but she's got a few other screen credits out there as a writer, so pretty cool. Barbara March uh, lost just back in 2019. Happy birthday, and we miss you. And that does it for our remembrances. So I'm going to pass this birthday candle over to Charles. Oh, thank you, Eric. Let's start off with Carol Daniel, stuntwoman actress who played Zora in Star Trek, the original series, episode Savage Curtain. Interesting that she's only got 15 credits on IMD as an actress and 129 as a stuntwoman. So she's more well-known for her stunt work. Adam Wren. Ryan. Norwegian actor and writer who portrayed Willie Potts in Star Trek's Next Generation episode, sports season episode, Brothers. Happy birthday to Dylan, Dylan Von Hale, child actor who played young Jean-Luc Picard in the second season episode, second season of Star Trek Picard. And actually, that is all of his work. Happy birthday to Judy Jensen, actress who played Sandrine in Star Trek Voyager's first season episode, The Cloud, and second season episode, Twisted. Happy birthday to Stephanie Erb, actress who played Leva in Star Trek season episode, Man of the People, and the receptionist in Enterprise's first season episode, Shockwave Part 1. Happy birthday to Kara Ziedker, American actress born in Kankakee, Illinois. Illinois. Thank you. She guest starred in Star Trek's Enterprises as Young Paul in four season episodes Awakening and Here She Are. Kishara. Kishara. And interesting, she appeared in Ready Player One, a movie Eric and I both are familiar with. Great Especially book, great movie. We're both fans of the book. And she was, was a, a great pal. Eric? Uh, yes, she was. Straight up still. She was, I thought so. Yep. Happy birthday to Reed B- Bernie, actress who played Luke in Strange New Worlds, second season episode, Among the Lotus Eaters. Happy birthday to Julia Nixon, actress who played Leon Sung in the first, first Next Generation, first season episode, The Arsenal of Freedom, and Cassandra in DS9, second season episode, Paradise. And final on my list, happy birthday to Tara... Nicodemo, actress who played Admiral Batar in DS Discovery's second season episode, If Memory Serves, and Project Daedalus. Didn't have a lot of details on a lot of these people and stuff we're familiar with. So, Paul, who's on your list? All right, my friend. Well, first of all, happy birthday goes out to our friend Rosalind Landor from Hempstead, London, who portrayed Brenna O'Dell in the Next Generation second season episode, Up the Long Ladder. And uh, this next name should be very familiar to folks. Uh, We are saying happy birthday to producer, screenwriter, and director Alex Kurtzman, 
who wears a lot of hats and has brought many a project into a second iteration as a TV series. Uh, he currently serves as the main executive producer and overlord on pretty much all of the Star Trek series uh, going on there. Um, but let's not forget, uh, Mr. Kurtzman's also directed uh, many things as well, including uh, 2017's The Mummy with Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe. So he's done a lot of different things, uh, brought a lot of things that uh, you thought were done uh, into uh, new iterations, uh, like like he did with Star Trek. Uh, he wrote the screenplay for Cowboys and Aliens. He's worked on Fringe. Uh, lots of stuff going on in the Transformers universe, Spider-Man universe. I mean, he's a busy guy. Uh, tried to make a TV series out of Clarice Starling. Uh, got 13 episodes out of that one, and it uh, really feels like uh, Star Trek, though, is where he likes to hang his hat and uh, keep things going there. So hopefully that will continue to be a fruitful relationship. Happy birthday, Alex. Happy birthday also goes out to actor Harry Greiner, American-born actor who played Tam Elbrun in Next Gen's third season episode, Tin Man. Also played the Nachani Magistrate in the third season Voyager episode, Scared Sacred Ground. I'm feeling like I'm crossing my vowels today. And Minister Nathan Samuels in Enterprise fourth season episodes, Demons and Terra Prime. Happy birthday goes out to Charles Deerkop, who played Morla in the original series second season episode, Wolf in the Fold. Scotty didn't do it, did he? No way. We believe in Scotty. <laughs> you were framed by some crazy nonsense there, sir. And uh, after Mr. Deercorp, it's Paul Francis Tompkins that we're saying hello to. And happy birthday to the actor and comedian and writer who voices uh, beak-faced Dr. Miglimoo in Star Trek Lower Decks. We're always wondering about that character. Always wondering <laughs> so weird. What's going on? How did it come to be? What are we parodying? And where will you go? I I don't really have. Uh, I you know what I think it is, Paul. I think Miggly Moo is all of those writers, those hipster writers that you've been talking about, working out their issues that they actually have with their own therapist by running them into Doctor <laughs> Miggly Moo. That's what I think. My best guess was just like you know they're like you know, uh, riffing on the animated series and they couldn't get around the fact that one of the characters was cat-like, right? <laughs> and they're sort of, oh, there should be a bird-like character then, if that's the case. And they just, you know, couldn't contain themselves, right? And and maybe it's as simple as that. I don't really know. But uh, I also don't have enough desire to really find out and explore either. So I'm just kind of content to just let it happen. But I think your theory is a good one because there's a lot of folks in need of therapy on that show. For sure. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's been a week. I think we all need some therapy after this week. Um, big happy birthday here. Going to grab the uh, the break and slow us down just a tiny little bit because got mad love for Scott Bakula, uh, who anytime you got a captain who's actually been a captain uh, uh, of a franchise, of an aspect of the franchise, you got to give him props. And uh, we're talking about Scott's. A portrayal of Captain Jonathan Archer on Star Trek Enterprise, a wildly misunderstood series that I don't think gets the love it should. I was at an extremely busy and chaotic period of my life when that show came on the air, 
and didn't get to watch a lot of it until later times. Fortunately, my good friend Eric was able to give me a, a curated list of must-see uh, Enterprise episodes that helped me get up to speed in uh, an intelligent way. And let me tell you, that's a good series. There's a lot going on there, Eric. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep, lots yeah. of uh, lots of actual depth that uh, most people don't see because they can't get past that, you know, granted, not entirely amazing opening song. Yeah, but once you do, there's a lot going on. And if there you is. like the, you know, I mean, you like the mythology of things and, and you know, dig into it a little bit and you want to see it, I think it really is worth a trip. And he did a great job. People sometimes, oh, Captain Archer's wooden. I disagree. I think he's really interesting and uh and uh, was a great captain representing that era of Starfleet. So very, very cool. Of course, we always think of uh, Quantum Leap when we think of Scott Bakula. But let's not forget that he also had a very interesting part in American Beauty as well mm-hmm. uh, as a neighbor in that picture. That was really, really cool. It's and he's just done a ton of work from everything from uh, The Simpsons to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you name it. He's a a vet. He's been around for a long time and uh, always does great work. So um, on this show, we love you, Scott Bakula. And uh, wouldn't it be cool to get to see Jonathan Archer again? Gentlemen, can I just briefly ask you what you think? Will that ever happen? Is that potential? Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping for that too because apparently I keep hearing news like he might be returning for like a season five or something. So I'm hope, really hoping for that. I really like that show. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there's a lot they could do, right? I mean, it would be really interesting to see. You know, like I'd 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 be up for that. I'd be if I heard that he was coming back to do something. I mean, there's there was pretty, so many. There's a pretty decent chunk of time between uh, Enterprise and Discovery that uh, is unexplored. So. Yeah, a whole hundred years worth. There's a hundred years in there where we don't really know what happened in in the Federation yet. So, yeah, they could absolutely slot him in there somewhere. And it was some Mm. of the most interesting stuff that I felt uh, in Picard Season 3, which we all celebrated, right? We all all loved. Um, Where they brought back characters briefly who we had, you know, not seen in a while. And I felt they did it in a way that wasn't just fan service, but was really cool. All right, like uh, you know, like the Tuvok moment and things like that. And I, I, I want more than that for Captain Archer. But, uh, but I think it, there's a lot of stuff that they could do with him. I think uh, it, I'd love to see him give it a shot. So I think that would be really cool. So. And I think David would agree with me that we absolutely need a refit at NX01 as well. <laughs> yeah, let's go. It's a beautiful looking ship, man. Come on, I'd be all over it. All kinds of things they could do there. Let's move on to our birthday cavalcade and say happy birthday to actress Rosemary Morgan. She made her television acting debut playing Peary in Voyager's third season episode, The Shoot. And finally for me, it's actor and comedian Ali Hassan, who played Commander Hanson Al-Salah in Strange New World's first season episode, A Quality of Mercy. I just love any... Reference to Shakespeare that Star Trek gives us. I just, it just, I don't know. I get chills every time. Uh, keep on doing it, Star Trek. You, you sure make it work when you do. Ali Hassan, happy birthday to you. And maybe we'll see you again. You never know in the world of Star Trek when people are going to revisit us and return. Passing that flaming candle. It's got a few inches left on it. Over to our good friend, Uncle Jim. Yeah, we've got a couple good ones. I've got some Klingons. But let's start off with one of the highlights of Star Trek Picard, and that's Lulu Wilson, who uh, was the actress who appeared as Kestra Troy Riker 
in Star Trek Picard's first season episode, Nepenthe, which I think on arguably most fans would say is probably one of the best episodes of Picard that we got to see. She also appeared in the horror franchise Annabelle. So happy birthday to Lulu Wilson. And now we're going to talk about some Klingons. And, of course, I saved the best Klingon from the best Star Trek movie ever for last. We want to say happy birthday and kapla to Charles Esten, the actor and singer who played Divock in the TNG six-season episode Rightful Air and the Dathan Alaris in Voyager's third-season episode Remember. We also want to say kapla to Andrew Jackson, the actor who played Captain Tatak. In Star Trek Strange New World second season episode, The Broken Circle, um, if you don't remember, he's the one that breaks blood wine with Mr. Spock. And last, oh, but definitely not least, we tried to get him on the podcast when we had Spice Williams on, but we couldn't make it happen. We want to say kapla, a very hearty kapla to the mighty Todd Bryant who played Captain Claw in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, the ultimate, the best Star Trek movie ever produced. Happy birthday, Brian. And that, my friends, wraps up our Star Trek birthdays. And now it's time for Star Trek News. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. Okay, we've got some breaking news that probably everybody already knows, but we're going to go over it here. Star Trek Prodigy has found its new home on Netflix, guys. That's right. The previously aired first season of the animated kids series will be coming later in 2023. In addition, the new second season is slated to debut on Netflix in 2024. I've always held that Star Trek fan base is among the strongest and most intelligent in the world. They have shown their collective passion, and we're happy to be able to celebrate Prodigy once again said Kate Mulgrew, voice of Admiral Janeway. Star Trek Picard Prodigy received the 2023 TCA Award nomination for Outstanding Achievement in Family Programming, along with the 2022 Children's and Family Emmy Award nomination for Outstanding Animated Series. And production designer Alessandro Tani won the award for Outstanding Individual Achievement and Innovation. Star Trek Prodigy is coming soon to Netflix in Canada on ctv.ca, currently available on Sky Showtime in the Nordics, the Netherlands, Portugal, Spain, and Central Eastern Europe. So that means that a lot of people are going to get an opportunity to enjoy Prodigy just like we did. And I just want to say, aim on you, Paramount Plus, for letting it go. So what do you guys think about Prodigy coming back? Are we excited? Oh, man. Tremendously yeah. so. Yeah, that's a great series. I, I You know, it, uh, we always talk about stuff that, you know, doesn't always get a fair shake, right? And uh, I think a lot of people were, you know, slow adopters because they got, oh, it's a kid show. 
right? And it's just so, so, so much more than that. And, uh, you know, a lot of it has to, you know, go out to you know, give credit to Aaron Walke, right? Uh, but, uh, but also, it's just a, a really great team of people uh, embodying the voices and just uh, it has a wonderful design aesthetic to the show. Um, really, really great. It's created by a couple of Portland Oregonians, uh, Jim, uh, a couple of brothers uh, who put that show together. And uh, and so there really is something in the water out here. <laughs> it's got to be. It's got to be. It really is. Or the so it's got, it could be the It's Talupa. got Oregonian DNA running through it. It really does. might have not and have just... been my uh, homemade water, so. <laughs> but I just don't think you can watch this show. And not fall in love with these characters. I mean, I just think they're just delightful. And uh, and it's really, uh, you know, uh, people sometimes say, oh, family show, and everyone rolls their eyes, right? But you can watch this. Anybody in your family can watch it and uh, get something different out of it. But it certainly is never going to insult your intelligence. And it's probably going to move you in ways you weren't expecting. But uh, I think it's a great show. And I'm just thrilled beyond measure that they uh, – are, are getting a second shot at doing what they do well here. So um, amazing uh, show. I'm just delighted with this news because I know a lot of fans put in a lot of hard work to get their voices heard, and it's wonderful when uh, that pays off. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm trying to get Aaron Walke to come on the podcast and talk with us a little bit about that, and I'll keep you guys in the loop as that develops. So that's some cool news. For sure. Well, all right. I can say the I can say the fact is, I knew something was going on with it, <clears throat> because Star Trek Las Vegas, they had a teaser roar, teaser for season two, and we're very quiet about what was going on, and I think we pretty much knew at that point it was going somewhere. Even if they were trying to do the big say prodigy thing, I think we knew it was going somewhere. It was just depending on who got it. <laughs> Netflix was the one taking it. And I think it's a smart choice for one to grab it up because, hey, here you can't get much in Star Trek episodes, but hey, you can get the Star Trek series. Well, yeah, great way of pointing some Star Trek fans to your network, your streaming system, your streaming series, your streaming system. Absolutely. I think the big question is, uh, right, guys, that we were, I think, starting to talk a little bit about before we went on the air tonight. But it's like, you know, I mean, what is Netflix's model? They dropped a whole series all at once, right? And uh, and that's very different than what we're used to over there on Paramount, right, where we grind through stuff one week at a time. So it will be very interesting to see if, if that's what they do with this series as well. Yeah, and Paul, I'm really interested in just the Trexpert's opinions here. So, you know, we tend to review shows one week at a time, like you said, because that's the way they come out on Paramount. When when you watch, so Paul, I'll let you go first. When you watch a show that does a drop where the entire season comes out, do you have a tendency to to binge that season so that you kind of knock it out and know what what's up, and or or do you kind of draw it out? Well, I will tell you, um, I have a little bit of a, I guess you could have to call it a, a viewing handicap, right? Is my wife detests week at a time 
programming, right? It's yeah. like she's voracious. And when I tell her, she's like, oh, I, I want her to watch a new series. She'd be like, oh, is it one at a week? You know, like with the, you know, Mandalorian <laughs> or whatever. And I'll go, yeah. And she's like, <sighs> she just, you know, practically spits, right? So she, I'm going to have to probably do, you know, but it depends. I mean, me, it's just like, I'm like this, right? I have a little bit of a tendency to binge. But a lot of it depends on how good it is, right? It's like if a show is really engaging and I'm like, oh, my God, I'll binge a few episodes in a row. Like uh, for me, the the Mount Everest of all good shows on Netflix is The Last Kingdom, kind of a medieval hmm. Europe show. If you have never yeah, watched it, it's, it's the greatest thing ever. Super exciting. Or shows like um, – uh, uh, what was the crazy Korean show, guys? I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, Squid Game. Squid Game, yeah, like that—that that was another one where I'm like, oh, it was really tough not to watch the next episode because they were so exciting, right? But how much can anybody watch in one night? You know, maybe two or three, us old guys especially, right? Well, so I'm, I, I would love to. I mean, I love what we do on this show, how we go through one week at a time, right? And uh, and just go through and devote time to watching a particular episode and discussing it. I love that format. So I would, even if they do dump it all at once, I'm going to try to restrain myself and not watch them all at once. I would rather enjoy them uh, collectively and chat about them one week at a time, one episode at a time. Mm-hmm. It, it's definitely easier that way. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because when they, we've had that problem before, like when they drop two episodes on us, it, it throws <laughs> off our whole, our whole everything gets thrown off you know it breaks the podcast jim it breaks uh-huh. it does it, it it really does it breaks up the whole rhythm that that we have worked out you know because if you do two in one <laughs> if you try to do two episodes in one podcast it just it's too much you can't give it the time it deserves so i'm with paul i think i think we got to do one at a time regardless of how they drop them Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I agree. Well, there you have it. <laughs> All right. So, Otherwise, uh, we'd have to do like Charles. one fifteen-hour episode, right? One fifteen-hour podcast. Well, you're talking could about be, <laughs> could be exhausting. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Ten hours. I don't have that much coffee. <laughs> A lot of chalupas. Go find a nebula. A there you go. All right, hit it, Charles. All right, Charles, you okay. got story. This, this one I found just for you because you talked about this very thing. Yep. Definitely. Paul in Talin. What inspired Star Trek's new Vulcan explained by Lower Decks creator? Star Trek Lower Decks fourth season has been a blast so far. But if there's one character in mind whenever I fire up a new episode with Mike, Paramount Plus subscription to Lynn, which we didn't see in last week's episode. Voiced by actress Gabriel Ruiz, Mike Mahan revealed that the character was inspired by another beloved Vulcan, longtime fan, are quite fond of Enterprises to Paul. Much like Jolene's to Paul, to Lynn is put on a Starfleet vessel among humans and isn't readily accustomed to being around them and interact with them. It's been a struggle for her thus so far in season four to acclimate to her lower ditch 
shipmates. But she's managed to help save the day a few adventures. She's still not too keen on non-Vulcan interactions. Perhaps like the Paul and Enterprise, she'll need some time to slowly accept and adapt their ways. The similarity between the two characters is to Paul and Lynn exhibit behaviors that is frowned upon by the Vulcans prior to their service with man, with humankind. For Talan, this happened in Season 2, Episode We Do, when her instinct and gut feelings ultimately led her to dismissal from the Vulcan. Talan won the Season 2 finale and has been heavily factored in the stories since Season Open. Whether or not Talan continued... Work on the Cerritos will result in a similar evolution of her character remains to be For now, she doesn't seem to care much for hugs, which is pretty much a barrier for Vulcans to cross. Maybe they should start with a firm handshake or just throw up a good old live long and prosper signal. In a few decades, she might be able to do half a hug without causing discomfort. Even the rigid Tuvok, Star Trek Voyager, was able to show warmth from time to time. Yeah, you know, Charles, what's interesting is I read this I read this other article today that was talking about Talyn and it was talking about whether or not her sort of like emotional standoffishness was allegory for um somebody with um oh my gosh, I just lost the word. Uh what is it when you don't exactly take the world in in the same way people uh do? Um oh my gosh, I can't believe I lost the word. The uh Somebody who may uh, may react differently than other people in certain scenarios. Um, wow, I can't think of the word. Neurodiverse. Uh, no, yes, but what's the what's the common term for for that? Um, Not autism. Yeah, autism. That's the word I was. I can't believe oh, I, I lost it autism. in the middle of the sentence. Sorry. Yeah. So that. So the article was about whether or not Talyn's kind of emotional standoffishness was allegory for autism um, because there are some kind of similarities in there. And I don't know if the writers on the show have that amount of sophistication or not, but I thought it was kind of an interesting comparison. Hmm. I'm not sure the writers are going in that direction. Yeah. But I could see I could see a Vulcan representing that group because that group does specifically often have an issue with social interactions mm-hmm. and they can sometimes can be very stringent in how they are. Yes. Yeah, so I think some people kind of see it no, in as, you know, uh, people are able to connect to her because of the way that she is and her, you know, it's not just comedic mm-hmm. effect. Like we talk, we've talked a lot on the podcast about kind of the straight man for the comedy side of things, but you know, there's actually some like interesting traits there too that are underrepresented in Star Trek. Definitely. So Eric, I hear you've got a new new person that says what? Yeah. <laughs> we're just saying Pat, uh, Shatner says what, but tonight we're talking about Mr. Stewart himself, and we're going with Patrick says what because wait. Wait, Patrick Stewart went bald at what age? That's right. This is from his new book. Legendary screenwriter Patrick Stewart is known for his iconic bald, do having uh, his new blah, his new iconic bald do 
promptly on display in his acting role. He explained in his new memoir, Making It So, that it was at the age of 17 when he began the strands of hair. By 19, his head was completely bald. Quote, I had grown up with dark, wavy hair, but in my first year of drama school when I was 17, it started to thin out at an accelerated rate. The English actor noted that the more his head diminished, he mustered up the courage to call the cosmetic medical institution and, quote, have a chat with the people inside. He said, they told me what treatment would cost. That's when I realized I needed more cash in my pocket. In order to earn enough money for the clinic, Stuart began laboring as a bricklayer near his home in West Yorkshire, England. The Nomeo and Juliet actors described that he was able to earn enough dough from the firm for the procedure. They unfortunately didn't work. The clinic treatment in Bristol that I invested my hard-earned bricklayer money in achieved nothing, he added. He underwent three or four sessions, which involved being electro patches of scalp, as well as hand massaging and, quote, the application of various creams. But it was hopeless, Stewart said. By the age of 19, I was on top, and I am now. So, uh, unfortunately, Mr. Stewart uh, went bald early on, but it doesn't seem to have hindered uh, his uh, career at all. So, uh, congratulations, sir, on proving once again that bald is beautiful. Paul, Happy accidents. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what you got for us, Paul? Well, you know, since you brought it up, we'll just kind of keep this Patrick Stewart theme going, friend, because I actually have a new story all about Sir Pat Stew, because he, turns out, would like one more shot at a Star Trek movie to play a truly fearful Jean-Luc Picard. With the release of his new memoir that Eric just mentioned, aptly titled Making It So, a memoir, Sir Patrick Stewart has been on a bit of a roll for the last week, uh, beating the bushes, talking about his time on Star Trek in interviews and through excerpts of the book. Stewart played Jean-Luc Picard in four Star Trek feature films, with his final big screen performance as Jean-Luc Picard over two decades ago on <sighs> Star Trek Nemesis. After accepting well-earned accolades for the final season of Star Trek Picard, Stewart again suggested that a follow-up movie could be possible. While season three of Picard reunited the cast, the movie suggested by Stewart would tell a story that would give a proper goodbye to their characters. Patrick Stewart is quite clear about the status, actually lack of status, of another Star Trek The Next Generation movie, saying it's not in the works at all. Then in his very next breath, he assures that he has had private conversations with people who would be on the project were it to ever happen. Given the opportunity to play Picard one more time, Stewart would test John Luke at his lowest. Picks up on a couple of moments from Star Trek Picard to suggest possibilities for a feature film. Well, there are two moments. One is when Picard doesn't know what to do. He's stumped. And we never saw that on The Next Generation. And there's also a moment when he's truly fearful. And those two pointers alone, I think, make him an interesting study for one more movie. And you need some more land to buy as well. <laughs> Three seasons of Picard analyze different aspects of the character's mind, walking the audience through his experiences of trauma, aging, loss, grief, and regret. That's box office gold right there. A story arc from season two draws many parallels to Stewart's experience of growing up in an abusive household. If Stewart's motive to return to the role is to show Picard being truly fearful, 
It's fair to ask how much worse it could be than Picard's assimilation by the Borg in the classic Star Trek Next Generation episode, The Best of Both Worlds. The assimilation changed him for good, and like extreme and possibly tragic experiences, we can't, nor should we try, to erase them, forget them. So conversations like this, rather than encouraging me to move away from my history, actually are gradually sucking me in, so I get closer and closer to the possibility. One more shot. Patrick Stewart's decision to talk so openly and freely about a next-gen finale movie shows... He sees an opportunity and sees possibilities in getting studio attention now. The cast is willing to commit. The Enterprise D bridge set is in storage and fan interest is high. This would be the ideal time to take a break from dumping on Tom Hardy and uh, take the ship out with the crew for a victory lap. He's made some pretty uh, (laughs) not so friendly comments about Mr. Hardy lately. I don't know if you've all seen those, but uh, in the midst of his uh, press tour, (laughs) memoir, he's been kind of a loose lip sink ships there, Sir Pat Stu. uh, (laughs) I guess he figures it's 20 years later. So, you know, Yeah, I guess so. But it's just like, I kind of feel like season three was really great. Right. And people really loved it. And it's almost like, man, uh, maybe leave it like it is, right? Because the things he talks about exploring were like, for me, season two was not the greatest part of the Picard legacy, right? And I was just like, nah, I don't know if I want to go into the themes of, it just sounds like a downer, man. And, you know, if it's like saying a proper goodbye, doesn't that kind of imply everyone's going to die? <laughs> so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that doesn't, uh, come to pass but let me pass speaking of passing i gotta pass it over to david because we're running out of time david okay i'll try to speak as fast as i can because i can't speak words actions like you can but okay here we go uh continue on to patrick stewart sidetrack patrick stewart has the perfect director in mind to bring back picard Despite the conclusion of his series, Star Trek, Picard, the iconic character, Journey may <clears throat> continue on the big screen. Stewart's recent comments have given fans hope that they might see an exciting new chapter in John Luke Picard's life on the biggest screen possible. IMAX, probably. Who knows? In his memoir, Making It So, veteran actor Stewart expressed his desire to create a standalone Picard movie and an urging paramount, or urging paramount for its realization. He emphasized that this film would not be a Star Trek, the next generation movie, but an opportunity to further expand the universe explored in Star Trek Picard. Stewart states, I'm gen- gently pushing Paramount to let us do one single Picard movie, not a next generation movie, as we have already done for those. This would be an expansion and deepening of the universe as we've seen it in Star Trek Picard. The actor also emphasized that he wants Jonathan Frakes to direct the movie. <clears throat> he added, I've discussed this with Jonathan, Brent, and LeVar, and they all—they are all game. Jonathan is my first choice to direct uh, it. <laughs> Star Trek Picard is undoubtedly a high-acclaimed TV series, garnering numerous part-time Emmy nominations and consistently landing in the top 10 Nielsen rating for the streaming. 
This success indicates a strong fan base and the potential excitement for a film that continues the story of Picard and his crew. With its impressive accolades and popularity, it is clear that there is a genuine chance for the standalone Picard movie. Whoa. Well, I'm I don't know. I, I'm I excited. Know. We'll, have, we'll have to wait <laughs> to see what happens with that. But guys, guess what time it is? It's time to eat some, uh, drink some coffee. <laughs> it's time to have that chalupa that you put down earlier, David. You can pick yeah, that up I'm and grounded. eat it now. <laughs> come to the end of another show. Hard to believe. But don't worry. We'll be back. Same bat time. Same bat channel. Talking about tonight's episode that dropped on Paramount Plus next week. And I promise you, we won't have any more very short treks to discuss. So uh, the one fan that said he was going to vomit, you don't have to worry about that because it ain't going to happen again. So, guys. It's time to say goodnight. I want to say thank you so much to Paul for hanging out and chatting with us. Thank you so much, Paul. It was a pleasure, man. A lot of fun tonight, guys. Hey, we had a lot thank of good you. stuff to talk about, for sure. And also thank you so much to Charles for hanging out and check talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you. Well, fun as always. And thank you, of course, to David for Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you, David. You're welcome. It was fun. It was fun, and thank you so much to Eric for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you, Eric. Of course. A good time as always, guys. We always have fun, and I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying hailing frequencies are closed. And please, everybody, stay safe and be good to each other. Star Trek fans are the best fans. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Live long and prosper. Hey, y'all. Let's see what's out there. Engage. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.